We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik and I'm joined, as ever, by Simon Howell. Simon, normally I'd ask you how you're doing, but... There are no time for formalities. There's no time for formalities. At the end of the show, we're going to talk with Josh Spiegel from SB Cinema about Louis Season 3. And we're also going to have an incredibly full, incredibly full week of TV. We're doing 29 shows in this podcast and we're going to try to keep it to under two hours. Um, so... <laughs> Please bear with us. Uh, it's it's a crazy week. It's premiere week. Next week is going to be crazy busy too. But before we get to any of that, unfortunately, we have some some sad news that we need to to mention at the top of the show. Uh, Matt, one of our reviewers at Sound on Sight, who had recently joined, um, he was reviewing Grim for us as well as he had started re- reviewing Revolution for us. He passed away last week. Um, Matt was a really great guy. And he will be very much missed um, by his friends and family. Um, I'm fortunate. I was fortunate enough to call him one of my friends, but also our, our sound inside family. So, our thoughts are with his his friends and his family um, out there. Matt, thank you so much for all of your contributions and help to Sound on Sight, and just for being such a great guy. Um, so, having said that, let's we should move on to the rest of the show. Um, let's talk briefly about happier topics. We got a lot of comments from you guys this week. Uh, first of all, we heard from Mario, who was glad that uh, you were good last week. You're you're never good. You don't, you don't get to know how I am this week. There's no time. There's no but time. I'll tell you later. Um, he really likes the Taylors as the best married couple on TV. We got a lot of positive response to our Friday Night Lights um, segment last week, which was so much fun. Uh, he's a big fan of Vince, and he likes the bicycles, the ba- our, our intro and outro music. Uh, so says thank you to in, for introducing, and that's all you. You pick the, the the you picked the music. I did. Former DJ geekery yes. comes in handy sometimes. We heard from Bob who liked the Friday Night Lights shelf, shelf and wants to know if we've done Men of a Certain Age. Nope, not yet, Bob. We would love to. At least I would love to. You would like to, yes. I would, yes. We need to find somebody who wants to come on and talk about it uh, with us. So once we do that, we'll we'll definitely be doing a Men of Certain Age one at some point. Keith also likes Friday. Lots of positive Friday Night Lights. He's going to check out Revolution. because He's going to stick with it a little longer because uh, we said Charlie gets better. So I'm glad that our opinions on that have swayed you somewhat, Keith. Also, we heard from new listener Beth on Twitter. Hi, Beth. She likes a good wife, so she clearly has is a is a paragon of of taste. Yes, and as we'll discuss much much later. Yes, and uh, also lots of uh, Spartacus, Doctor Who, Fringe, NCIS talk on uh, on Twitter and uh, Revolution, a bunch of other things. So thank you guys so much for for talking with us this past week, leaving comments and tweets. We always love talking with you guys. So uh, keep the uh, communication co- coming. Uh, we. <laughs> Not only did we not get any iTunes ratings or reviews this week, we actually lost a rating, 
we went down from 13 to 12. So uh, iTunes is apparently, it just hates us and is eating our our ratings or reviews. So we need more. We need you guys to to go out to iTunes and, and support the show. Yeah, because Apple are terrible, as usual. It's not the first time it's happened. We don't tend to lose reviews. It happened to, I think, either Mario, I think it was Keith, actually. Keith's review disappeared into the ether, but we've lost ratings a couple times. I don't even really know how that happens, but uh, we would love some more ratings or reviews on iTunes. It does help other people find our show. Um, but so that's all I will say about that, because we have to keep moving swiftly on. Uh, sound on site. The TV section is kind of exploding. And when I say kind of exploding, I'm not really kidding. I think I kind of broke the site the other day because there are so many shows that we cover on Sundays. Uh, so there were what, like six or seven different reviews up on Monday for Sunday shows. Lots of coverage going on there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure God is dead because otherwise I don't see how he would have allowed all these TV shows to happen on Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. I, that's the only logical explanation. Um, let's see, lots of film festival coverage, and then it's October, so it's uh, it's the horror month at Sound on Sight. Yeah, we're doing um, every day is going to feature a new horror review. Actually, I'm doing four films. I think I'm doing one film every Saturday. I'm going to be covering experimental horror, so it should be fun. And I'm going to be covering none because I've done <laughs> <Yes>. my <laughs> I've done my uh, you know Sound on Sight horror watching duty mm. and not doing any more. Uh, we also wanted to mention briefly the podcast awards are are open for nominations. We uh, there's no TV section, which is kind of strange to to me. I know that's sort of my world, so I need to recognize that lots of other people don't really know that there are TV podcasts out there. But uh, I guess if if you want to nominate us, I guess art and culture. That's the closest thing we can think of. Arts and culture. Screw the actual people who talk about fine arts and stuff like that. <laughs> well, let's consider. Let's let's pretend for a moment that TV counts as art. I'm just gonna let, I'm just gonna let that go. And uh, say, of course, if you want to support Sound and Sight, the podcast or the website, of course, you can put Sound and Sight or, or Masterpiece in under films. So, and then of course, there's also um, Best Produced, uh, People's Choice. There's a bunch of categories. So, if you want to support the show, we very much appreciate it. But we need to move swiftly on, as I keep saying. We're gonna do up at the top here. There are several pilots that premiered this week that we have already sort of reviewed in our fall TV preview. So we're going to do those up at the top um, very briefly before we move into our standard week in TV. So that's going to be Ben and Kate, The Mindy Project, Last Resort Elementary, and 666 Park Avenue. Um, so these are all going to be in a chunk. So Simon, one sentence, Ben and Kate, go. Probably my favorite new comedy of the fall, if only because it's long on charm where others have been surprisingly short. Yeah, promising, uh, Tired premise, but a good cast does a lot to to make it to make that tired premise work. So worth checking out if you're looking for a new comedy. Next, Mindy Project, Simon. Sort of like a network attempt at girls, sort of a star vehicle for Mindy Kaling. Not, I didn't like it as much as I was hoping to, but it definitely has promise. It is my favorite uh, fall pilot, a comedy pilot that is, and I, I'm a big fan of Mindy Kaling. There's a lot of problems in this pilot, but I think the show has a lot of potential with its cast and with its style. I'll, I look forward to seeing if Kaling can do girls on network TV. So I'm going to stick around with that. Next, we have Last Resort, uh, which is on Thursdays. Simon. Insanely rushed, but super exciting. So great to see Brower on TV again. Sean Ryan rules. This pilot's great. I'm done talking. 
Best fall pilot, as far as I'm concerned. Really strong cast. Sean Ryan, of course, creator of The Shield and many other shows that we like. Several other shows, I should say. Um, it, it does a, avoids a lot of pitfalls and makes a show that I was absolutely, utterly trepidatious about uh, with its uh, with its setting and its its world. I didn't expect to buy in and I did and that's due to the writing and the performances so I look forward very much to seeing where this goes hopefully Sean Ryan can have another successful show instead of a one-hit wonder um, yes, next please. <laughs> elementary on CBS also Thursday everyone else likes it we don't they're dumb we aren't yeah I don't get everybody else seems to really have enjoyed this one I really don't understand where all that praise is coming from it's not a bad show I think there are the performances are pretty good but it's not a particularly Sherlock Holmesy show. It feels very much the same as all those other quirky detective shows that are on TV uh, or have been on TV ever. It's nothing new. So um, it's not even an elementary or Sherlock thing for me. It's just there are better police procedurals out there, and I'll watch those ones instead. Or detective procedurals, that is. Next, uh, 666 Park Avenue. Terry Quinn is the devil on ABC on Sundays. So the whole premise is Terry O'Quinn is the devil, and now that I've seen the show, pretty much all I have to say about it is Terry O'Quinn is the devil. The The leads leave no impression. The setting doesn't inspire many thoughts. It This was probably the, the pilot that I watched that I that inspired the least mental stimuli. Not the worst, just the least, Im the one that le left the least of an impression on me. Yeah, it's uh, it has a good cast. They don't get that much to do, and it's it's an, an unfortunately familiar setup. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of people who like it. It looks really good, I think. I think it looks really yeah. stylish. Um, and there are a lot worse ways to, you know, to spend an, an hour, at least in this fall pilot season. Um, but it certainly are. I, I won't be checking back in um, maybe at the end of the season. If, if y'all tell me it's great, I'll check back in. But I'm not particularly interested in it, particularly on a night that's so full of shows that I love. So that uh, that concludes our recap. Let's go next to Emily Owens, MD, which has not premiered yet, but the pilot has been put up online. You haven't seen this. I hope you don't see this. It's really bad. <laughs> it's just like painfully bad. Now it's, there there are good performers in there. The trouble is entirely in the script and in what the script allows the actors to be able to do. It's basically, if you listen to our preview, all of my fears for Emily Owens, MD, came true. And uh, I will not be watching this show again. I, I, I really like Mimi Gummer. I think she's fantastic. We've liked her on The Good Wife and on a bunch of other things as well. But... She, I will not watch this show for her. I will not watch this show. I don't think I would watch this show for Connie Britton. So I, I definitely, I'm not watching the show anymore. It just kind of made me want to, I wanted to turn it off after six minutes because it was so painfully, real life is like high school. No, thank you. Okay, let's move on Ooh. to our actual week in TV. Starting on Tuesday, we had two episodes of uh, New Girl, both Relaunch and Katie. What did you think of these? I thought New Girl kind of came back swinging. I mean, I I didn't think the finale was all that great, but I I also don't think that New Girl's very good at the serious stuff, at least not so far. And it leaned heavily on its cast and on its goofy side for both of these episodes. And I mean, we had Raymond J. Barry as as future Nick, which was enough <laughs> for me for, for for both episodes. That was so great. 
Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think New Girl has you know, come out as the strong comedy from last year. Um, there's a couple other that are, I think, technically last year, but the season before that I also like. But uh, yeah, it's it's still going strong. And that that block of comedy, I think, is pretty strong for Fox, where they have Raising Hope, which we never talk about, but I do actually like, and Ben and Kate, and the New Girl, and Mindy Project. It's a solid. It's a solid Tuesday comedy block. I would say. Yeah, that 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 could actually rival the uh, the NBC block that they have going right now, at least. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked it. I don't really have anything specific to say other than our lowest feature, Nick, was amazing. Um, the last, I guess, the one thing I will say is I am very much glad to see them address or have the characters Im- impacted by you know the the economic situation that so many people are experiencing right now. So having uh, having Jess lose her job through basically no fault of her own and have to try to find herself you know, in this difficult financial situation that's going on right now, I think is a, a very promising way to start out their season. And I hope more shows start having that, you know, not maybe not huge plot lines, but I, I think it would be nice if that reality of what so many people are experiencing was reflected more in television. They would get major props for me if they had to move into a smaller apartment. Yeah, that's not going to happen, but because uh, <laughs> they'd have to make a new set. But I agree, that would be great. Um, let's move on to Vegas, which premiered. This is the Dennis Quaid and Michael Chiklis uh, cop procedural, basically set in '60s Vegas. Uh, what did you think? Oh, you know, I really wanted to love this, but it just doesn't. There seems to me to be this clash between the premise and the fact that once you watch it, you realize it's a procedural where it it seems like it's custom made for uh, you know sort of a a serialized character based experience. I mean, you've got this great um it was 1960 vegas setting or was it 59 59 something Uh, like that yeah yeah it's 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 a really really novel setting quaid is great uh chiclis should be great but his character seems kind of boring to me uh and you've got carrie ann moss on board too who i love and is playing a strangely pleasant character which i wasn't really which i didn't really know how to deal with (laughs) yeah it, it i want to like this show but after seeing this pilot pilot I'm not interested in it at all. I'm interested in the FX or AMC version of this show. I think Dennis Quaid is great. I think he fits this. I think this role fits him very well. And I, I think a lot of people will really enjoy watching him week to week. But Michael Chiklis didn't work for, for me in this like at all. And he's such a great actor. It takes a lot for, you know, that that shouldn't happen with somebody as good as Michael Chiklis. Um, I did very much like Carrie Ann Moss. It's nice to see her back playing a di- exactly like you said, a pleasant, happy, good character mm-hmm. for once. It's good. It's great. She looks fabulous. I, I'm very pleased to ha- you know that she's working more. Um, but the show's too clean. It's too prettily lit. Um, and while the 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 setting, the period setting, allows a lot of nice set design and and, and such it doesn't feel real at all. It feels very disposable. So I will not be checking back in with Vegas. Womp womp. Next we have Parenthood and uh, Everything is Not Okay, which you know, picks up where we left off last week with uh, one of our leads has breast cancer and we're trying to figure out what, what comes next. What did you think of this episode? I, I'm i still having trouble with Parenthood where I, I'll, I'll like a lot of indiv- individual moments. The, um, the stuff with Ray Romano is still working very nicely for me, but there's something, I mean, I can't help but keep comparing it to Friday Night Lights because of Jason Kadams 
And I just find the show kind of annoyingly schematic sometimes where it feels like, okay, she has the diagnosis. Now she has to work through it and we have to see how Peter Krause is reacting to it. And, you know, we know that he's going to go on this journey from having to coddle her and, you know, be positive all the time to just be natural about it. And, you know, we're not quite there yet. And I feel like it's sketching it out too neatly for us. Mm -hmm. There's not sort of that human element of chaos uh, at least not to the not to the degree that I would that I would most like, and uh, and yes, I'm still finding the music a little bit tiresome personally. I like that we had Kurt Fuller pop up. I always enjoy him, uh, in, so he's here as the doctor. I think uh, I, this is you know it's like you said this is a very familiar plot line and and storyline. We kind of know what's going to happen at least you know the the beats of of where the story is going to go for a while. But I was pleased that we didn't get the big Braverman family intervention or, uh, you know, sit, let's all sit down and talk about how, how, you know, this character has cancer. Um, I guess that'll be coming next week. I, I, or, or at least down the line. Um, but I did like, you know, what we got this week with character. I thought the, the scene with Peter Krause and Mae Whitman particularly was really strong. And, uh, I also, I also liked the, uh, the, 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 the reaction with the, the I can't remember the character, the, the character who they met at the waiting room who had cancer when they're talking about doctors. And she basically was saying, you don't need hippie bullshit. You need a doctor. You need somebody who's <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. really good. It doesn't matter if they're a jerk. They need to be really good. Because uh, that's exactly how I feel about that. So mm -hmm. I will see what happens um, on the show. But if they continue to take that approach, it's going to be up my alley. So I still really like, I think I like the show more than you do. But uh, yeah, you do have to put, Friday Night Lights out of your, your mind a bit, I think. Yes, you really, really, really do. Let's move on to Wednesday and The Neighbors Pilot. Uh, let's just, oh, an, again, one sentence. Simon? I can't even remember if I finished this or not. That's how bad it was and how much I'm trying to push it out of my brain. Yeah, it's uh, it's not funny. Just go watch Third Rock from the Sun. I know everybody's saying, you know, making that comparison, but Third Rock from the Sun is actually funny. Uh, this is not. This is just kind of terrible. So uh, they do squander some good actors, but um, yeah, no. But that that no. that's more than enough said. Next, we have the season two premiere of Key and Peele, which was hilarious. Yeah, I don't know if hilarious is the right word. I, I I found this episode particularly more sort of light chuckle or even smile worthy. But as I'm sure I said last season, they're just so much fun to hang out with and watch do their thing, and just geek out over meeting the president and. You know, and and stuff like that. Like I don't know, they're it's sort of a different kind of hangout comedy where instead of watching characters hang out, you're just watching two guys riff, and they're genial and fun, to, and it's just always a fun experience, even if even if it's not laugh out loud funny all the time. Oh, this was laugh out loud funny almost all the time for me. I was I was laughing my butt off watching this. Partic I can't decide if the Mary Magdalene's pimp sketch. Or the the Civil War reenactment sketch is my favorite, but when when they go into Butterfly McQueen, you know, oh my god, it's just so funny. I love it. Uh, yeah, so I, I had a lot more fun with this than you did, apparently, but uh, I'm glad to have Key and Peele back in my life. And they had opera. They're clearly going after my heart. They used opera in two different sketches. So Yeah, in those opening seconds, I was like, oh, Kate's in the bag. Yep. Yep, clearly. Yep, they 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 won me over. What can I say? Let's move on to Parks and Rec and Soda Tax, episode two this season. Definitely not as good as uh, as last week for me, at least personally. I, f I found the Adam Scott's plotline in particular just sort of 
I'm wondering why we're spending so much time in Washington with those characters, especially when it's not that funny. Or maybe it was just that it was like, especially the second part of that storyline was so cringeworthy. It almost took it too far. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with Adam Scott's dad slash bro speak. Mm-hmm. Just, Ooh, that was, <laughs> that was a whole nother level of, of, of cringe humor. I, 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 I had to pause and like stagger my way through those scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, I mean, I, I didn't have as much trouble as you did. I liked this more than you did clearly. Um, but yeah, I think the Adam Scott storyline was a little underwhelming perhaps. I did, <laughs> I did enjoy just the goofiness of the, the, the soda storyline, uh, back in Pawnee and the, the various size of soda thing even it's such a mm-hmm. simple basic uh prop gag but it worked at least on me and again it's always good to when they can incorporate Anne more fully into the action so uh i, I like this one yeah 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 I, I i should also mention the the highlight of the episode for me by far was chris pratt and his attempts to get fit <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see uh, they're, they're continuing that storyline with uh with uh chris so we'll see with chris traeger so we'll see uh where that goes this season Hopefully somewhere. Uh, next, we have Children's Hospital and Ladies' Night. Uh, this was not a particularly memorable Children's Hospital, I don't think. I mean, it was it was nice to get to see Megan Mullally get different stuff to do vaguely, I guess. But yeah, it's it's, it's not really... In terms of the NTSF versus Children's Hospital Wars, I think this week I have to slightly give it to NTSF again. I would actually give it to Children's Hospital. I thought that this one was, uh, was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I think... I don't know why it it worked for me because like thinking back on it, I don't, you know, there's nothing that particularly stands out. I just, when I was watching it, I was laughing. So sometimes that's all it takes. Um, But moving on to NTSF, we had Comic Conflict. Uh, What what did you think? I I can't believe Children's Hospital beat out the Comic Con episode for you since you were Eh. actually there. Yeah, maybe that's why though. Yeah, maybe. I mean, anytime you're going to have an episode where basically Alan Moore is your villain, that's that pretty much wins for me like automatically yeah i mean i just uh i don't know i was i was very underwhelmed uh it seemed the the jokes were seemed really on the nose or really obvious of oh fans ask really particular questions as you know we've all heard that joke before so it didn't I, really... I, I i thought it was a pretty good gag that the trigger question was aren't you ashamed of yourself <laughs> okay that was good i'll give i'll give him that that was that was pretty good actually i do think more people should be watching ntsf I feel like nobody we know watches it or that we no. talks to us at least. Who, and it's know. for everyone. It's for literally everyone. <laughs> uh, unless you hate fun. Unless you hate fun. Let's move on, though, to Friday and the Made in Jersey pilot. Did you watch this one? Hell no. Didn't think so. Okay. Uh, this is basically a USA characters welcome show. It's, it is it uh, is legally blonde if she was from Jersey instead of rich. So it's, you know, everybody has seen this story before. There are a couple things that they do that I appreciate. I like that they don't set her up with uh, a love interest in the pilot. There are a couple people that could turn into love interest down the line, but I like that they don't define the show in that way in the pilot. I also like um, that the Stephanie March character, who I mean, I'm always, I'm I'm a fan of hers from uh, SVU. I, I like that she does actually give the character the lead her you know appropriate credit you know when, when at the end when she's successful she isn't bitchy about hey good job you just won the case uh, and so i appreciate that but it's i think it's very disposable and the the likable cast doesn't 
do enough, you know, they aren't likable enough for me to check in in a way that I think uh, the, the leads on Castle are likable enough that I am more likely to check in or Psych, same thing. Made in Jersey, it's, there's not enough there to get me to come back. Let's move on to the Fringe premiere, Transilience Thought Unifier, Model 11. If you'll recall, at the end of last season, I think we were both very apprehensive about where Fringe had gone. And so this week, they, I think, very wisely do an almost total reboot, as they've done practically every season. and But maybe even more thoroughly than usual. Uh, I, 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 still, I still maintain that I'm not happy with the way they've retconned what the Observers can and can't do. I have to say that one more time, and that's it. I won't mention it again this season. But uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a good premiere. I thought it had a lot, of, uh, a lot of great scenes, a lot of great acting. But I feel like with only 12 episodes to go after this, I feel like there's a pretty standard sort of human redemption arc coming up. And I, the, the, the show doesn't really seem built for anything else. So I'm I'm so I'm hoping I'm going to be wrong about that, but it seems like I'm about to watch another post-apocalypse film, and I know where it's what it's going to be like. Yeah, I like this one a lot more than you did. I was willing to stick it in the spotlight, even uh, to which you said no, no, um, no. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I think I mean I'm just gonna we'll have to discuss this another time, another week when we have more time. But uh, I disagree that they have retconned the observers. I think they just revealed the observers. And we didn't like the answer they gave. Um, but we'll have to talk about that later when we have more time. I will say about this this uh, this premiere, I think it followed on very well from Letters of Transit. I th- you know, centering on finding Olivia, which was, of course, the lingering question from that episode last season. I think that they actually do a lot of really intelligent things this week in, in setting, up, um, setting up where the season is going to go. I like that they, for example say that there is an answer that like Walter has come up with a plan that should work that, you know, obviously you never know what's going to happen on a show like this, but, but the, the notion that it's not impossible to get rid to, to take on the observers, they already figured it out once. They just have to figure it out again. Cause it's been taken from them. So I like that there is that element of hope um, there. I like that uh, the, the, the dynamic of the characters I think works well. <laughs> um, Though I think it was Ellen Sevenwell did point out there's a little bit of uh, unfortunate chemistry between Peter and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, between the actors. Yeah, I noticed that too. Where it's just like, oops, you, see, you can't always control that, but it, that's a little unfortunate. Um, and I'm sure they'll do what they can to, you know, work around that. But I, th- I think we get a lot of strong performances this week. That, I mean, the things that Fringe always does well, I think this episode does well. I think it looks great. I think the script is pretty pretty solid. And I think the performances from particularly John Noble and and also uh, Anna Torv are, are really strong. Um, I, I just remember, I always remember back to the pilot of Fringe when, uh, you know, the first season or so when everybody seemed convinced that Anna Torv was the... Uh, the first exception to the J.J. Abrams always finds these amazing young ingenues rule for his show. Right. And I, I just, she, the, the, I don't, I don't even think it's the, that the actor has come so far. I think the character has come so far that now she gets to do a lot more with it. And uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an editor fan. She's great. So I, I'm looking forward to the season. All right. Next up, we have Doctor Who and uh, the Angels Take Manhattan, the the, <laughs> the mid-season finale, the goodbye for the pawns. Oh, we had so much fun talking with Josh Beagle about this off off air after we talked to Louie um, this past week. And I think that's because the 
there are very, you know, Mo Ryan is another one. Uh, there are a couple people out there who I think have a similar take to us about this episode, but most of the internet seems to think this is a good episode and it's, it's well, like it's a good to great finale and it's, it's just not, um, I, I liked it cause I like Dr. Who and I have this a huge emotional connection to these characters and the actors are really good. So they do a really good job of connecting with each other and selling what they've been given. But you just have to turn off your brain. It doesn't make, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. Like the, the plot mechanics of what's goes on and, and, and the emotional beats that are tied into them. I would say the only one that holds up to any sort of, you know, reasoning check is that, that fabulous scene with Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville before when they're going to, you know, the suicide pact thing, when they're going right, to jump off yeah. that, that absolutely holds up to scrutiny. But the final scene we get with Karen Gillan and Matt Smith, when she's going to, you know, go away and then the, he's never going to see her again. It, there's, it doesn't make sense. There's no reason he can't see her again. And so that just sort of negates all of the fabulous work those two actors are doing. I don't know. I, as much as I do love the ponds, as much as I love Doctor Who, the further I get away from this season, this half season, I, I, the more disappointed I am. And I think the biggest problem is they just needed more time. They needed double length episodes for all of these. They needed to actually be movie length and then maybe it would have worked. But uh, I've rambled a lot. What did you think about this? You know, I, I, you took the words right out of my mouth, except for the part where I love Doctor Who. Um, the... <laughs> Yeah, this just didn't make a whole lot of sense, and I didn't have those that as strong an emotional connection to these characters, so it was even less good to me. The internet is wrong as usual. The, yeah, and the, and the fact that these emotional beats are tied right in with these plot bits that don't make any sense was really distracting for me. Like, I just, I couldn't really get my head around it. Let's, because uh, I'm sure there are Doctor Who fans who will be listening who will be throwing stuff at their iPods right now, because they're, 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 they disagree with us. Um, let's just quick rattle off a couple things that make no sense um the statue of liberty nobody seeing it moving that doesn't make any sense simon the fact that he's supposed to not be able to see them again you just because he can't go back to new york but they could go anywhere yeah and if if it's that he can't go to the decade which is not what they say they say he can't go back to new york in that decade then why can't he just wait 10 years and go hang out with me because he was already planning to spend the rest of, you know, their lives with him. Um, anyways, so why can't he just pick them up, you know, in the 40s? Is somebody going to talk to Brian? Yeah. What What happened? Why doesn't, uh, why, why do we only know Brian and we don't ever see Amy's family again? Why doesn't Melody care more <laughs> that her parents are gone? I mean, why, why does, why do they introduce these two significant characters at the beginning and then they never come back again. Why are the angels? Oh, there's so many. Why are the angels different shapes now? Oh God, I gotta okay, stop okay. talking. I, I, yeah, I don't want to step on the Doctor Who podcast uh, shoes right now. Yeah, but I, that's the thing. I have a feeling they're gonna like it. I don't know. Maybe they won't. I shouldn't. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to. Yeah, the, you'll have to tune in. To the find fabulous out. people over at the Santa Fe Doctor Who podcast, but yes, they will have a full review up. I'm sure fairly soon. But um, yes, we, we were not fans. Let's move on. The thick of it, uh, episode episode was this three or four? Uh, series four, episode four. Is that right? Yes. Um, wow, this this to me was one of the bleakest episodes they've ever done, if not the bleakest. I think the the absolute nadir of it for me was when Nicholas says something to the effect of, "You can't talk to me that way. Only my husband can, and my kids." <laughs> <laughs> this just was so brutal. 
and just I wasn't expecting them to tear her down in the space of one episode. Not only tear her down, but also Ben Swain, which mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yeah, I, I have no idea where the last, I guess, three episodes of this are going because I figured that would be the end game of this season, and now we've it, we've already rolled right past that. I, I like that they're keeping Glenn as sort of the vague conscience of the show, which I wasn't really expecting, and just sort of totally, totally turning Ollie to the dark side um, while he's in hospital, which was a nice touch. And yeah, just the fact that so much of it was set on, on a speeding train was just, just added to the anxiety and, and horror. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, it's a really funny episode. Just there's There's a lot of great humor in the delivery and also the dialogue that these people are given to work with. But... Also, I love that there's this this sort of subtle arc with Ollie within the course of the episode. You know, just uh, just watching, and then when he like that balloon, you know, the, your first you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first confirmed kill in the balloon. He act he almost looks kind of sad and oh crap, what have I become? I like that there's that moment of of uh, of character within all of the crazy that's going on, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was uh, entertaining and. A very swift takedown. Yes. And so many, so many Malcolm Tucker quotables that I'm not even going to try to reel out right now. Yeah. But there had to be at least a dozen. Once again, watch the thick of it. It's 22 minutes. It's like 25 maybe. And it's up on Hulu. If you live in the United States, you can watch it. And you should. Yes. Okay, next we're going to go over to Sunday and The Amazing Race, which had its premiere and... uh I think uh, now we, of course, we have our amazing race pool and Simon. I'm in the lead, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, so I take it. So you picked the lumberjacks to go. No, I no. What I did was I remembered your advice from long ago about how uh, couples are usually trickier. So I just I divided my points among four couples. Yeah. And one of them went. <laughs> yep. So. Me too. <laughs> I, don't, I, I actually haven't checked. I don't think I. Uh... I uh, necessarily picked the right ones. There's so many couples this time, but uh, yeah, I I don't really have a favorite team yet. I think uh, Amy Purdy is fantastic, so I will very much enjoy watching her. Anyone who's not rooting for them is an asshole. I mean, I think you can just (laughs) say that right off the bat. Well, I know uh, Mandy, who who does uh, covers NCIS for for us and is actually a leg amputee as well, is hardcore on on, on Team Amy. Which, by the way, Mandy, why aren't you doing our Amazing Race pool? Because you should be. But uh, it's not too late. It's not too late. What, it? No, it's not. No, it's not. You can join up until the last week. People can always join. You just have fewer potential for points. But this early in the game, nobody's picked the right person to win yet. So there's still plenty of, ch- of time. What did you think of the challenges? Because I loved the ping pong challenge. Well, first of all, I just wanted to quickly mention, I think this is a way more interesting or at least way more novel batch of contestants than mm-hmm. last season. So that's always fun to see. Who are you we have for? a former bassist of Megadeth, which, holy crap. And that is not an endorsement of Dave Mustaine in his horrible, bigoted ways. Anyway, um, <laughs> th- I- I'm not sure if I have a favorite so far, like, or someone I think is going to win, or particularly great team, other than we've already mentioned Amy and Daniel. But uh, yeah, to get back to the challenges, which is what you originally asked me, I thought they were great. Uh, I especially love the fact that nobody seemed to straighten... Actually, I didn't love this, but it was weird. Nobody seemed to straighten out with the contestants the gender of the child they were playing against. One person got it right. One team. But yeah. Yeah. So that was a little embarrassing. But I I like the fact that even though by the end of that challenge they were playing against a child using a clipboard... 
or yeah, like uh, a what pencil was the last case. Thing? Oh, oh god, it was hilarious. I think I think the last one was, uh, was she, she was using no. Did she, the last one we saw was that she was using the envelope, like the 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 yellow like right. And I love that, that even though they'd been debased <laughs> to that level, they still managed to gloat. When yeah. they got a point against that kid, they were like, yeah, take it, kid. Like, well, really? I just love that none of them seem to have an appropriate level of respect and or fear for the junior national ping pong champion of China. This is China. Ping pong is their, <laughs> like, national sport. I honestly, I, I believe I read somewhere in one of the recaps that, that ping pong is the national sport of China. So... I don't know why you think, you know, all jet lagged and, and coming, you know, off a million things. You're going to all of a sudden be able to beat a national champion at anything, let alone yeah. ping pong in China. Yeah. And then the, the fallopian tube thing, the frog fallopian tube thing was kind of gross. I felt so bad for the guy who had to eat too. Yeah. When I was watching the Chippendale really go at it, I don't want to tell you what that reminded me of. Okay, then. We're going to, how about we move on? to our next right. show because there's so much great stuff on sunday including of course dan has his review of amazing race that'll be up every sunday uh nobody is currently reviewing bob's burgers for us but uh this show is awesome i love it uh this was earsy rider earsy rider Th this show is home to the worst puns on television <laughs> uh, and i mean that affectionately uh, i mean it was louise centric which means it was immediately worth everyone's time Kristen shawl just rules in this role so much and i feel so bad for her throat Unless she's getting really good training, because she just hollers through entire episodes sometimes. Um, this wasn't necessarily the most laugh-out-loud episode of, of Bob's Burgers for me, but it did have some amazing one-liners. Uh, I, I think it, it won maybe the entire week for me with uh, the line about, uh, oh, Mudflap, that was my grandmother's name, and what happens from there. It was, you know, a very classic gag, but but really, really funny. Um, I don't know, not, not, not the showiest or most sort of ridiculous episode of the show, if only because we didn't get any of Tina's dream sequences, which I need another one of those very shortly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's so great to have Bob's back. Oh, I love this episode. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's a Louise episode, basically. And it's just the, 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 her reaction to having the ears taken away was just so hilarious and perfect and uh i'm glad that they i it's it's such a staple of the show that visual of her with the bunny ears that i'm glad they ex uh, did an episode about what if she didn't have them and uh, if I, the whole thing just came together in such a hilarious way uh i'm all, you know whenever they feature christian shawl i think the show does well i think they have it's just an embarrassment of riches on on, uh, on bob's burgers comedically but uh i always love the louise episodes just a little bit more um, in general, so let's mm -hmm. let's move on though to another uh, show with uh, with babies getting born. Of course, uh, this would be the <laughs> this is the the new horror show um, on on Sunday evening. Uh, call the midwife. Screw six 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 Park Avenue. Call the midwife and characters having their twenty fifth baby when they or their fourth baby when they're twenty three or their twenty fifth baby in their thirties. Oh dear God, no. Um, <laughs> So, uh, what did you think? Uh, I, I, uh, t just to be clear, this is a show about midwives in, in, uh, late 1950s Britain. And it's actually the only show on right now that I can think of that is based on a memoir mm -hmm. as opposed to, uh, an original or based on some, you know, franchise or something. It's, 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 it's narrated from, by Vanessa Redgrave, actually, from the point of view of, of the, our main character, uh, obviously in the distant future, which I, honestly, I wasn't crazy about the narration. Sorry, Vanessa Redgrave, you're amazing, but still, um, the show itself, I, th I think is really, really interesting. This is a show that takes one look at the Bechdel test and just laughs and laughs and laughs. <laughs> uh, 
because it just it, every, every it, it, with with a couple of exceptions, the male characters that we see are mostly children, and they mostly don't talk. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that 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 immediately makes it noteworthy. But I I found it to be a I mean it's beautifully executed. I couldn't help but be reminded of Downton Abbey, except this is a way more interesting premise and setting to me. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely on board for this. Yeah, there's only six episodes. Of course, they've all aired over in the UK already. They're airing here on PBS. Um, so I'll, I'm going to stick with it. But uh, as you said, uh, you said something about how, what, week four, it's just going to be emotional terrorism. I was yeah, already it's... there in week one. Yeah. So I'm, I have a feeling this is going to be a, a stressful show to watch. But it is. It's a fantastic show. It's really good. So if you like period dramas, if you're looking for some actual female characterization on television um that is not going to make you roll your eyes this is a good place to start yeah i feel like we're going to get more into the nitty-gritty of the show in future weeks when we're not necessarily as crazy busy yeah let's move on to the next one we have uh treme over on hbo on sunday um saints and i i will i promise have my review of the first two episodes of treme up this week uh there's there's just too many shows that we cover on sunday there and i have to put them all up you know with our many fabulous reviewers doing the legwork of writing them i still have to put them up and it takes too much time so i will get it up not to mention the fact that you've given yourself like the hardest show in the universe to recap it's kind of tricky i don't want to just say what happened so uh it's a tricky show but uh one of the things i do, i do want to make sure to mention i'm so glad i caught up with it is that it's not it's a kind of tricky show. It's different than pretty much anything else on TV right now, but it's such a great show. I love these characters. I love these performances. And I looked, I was going to do some, try to do something kind of like breaking down the music of the show, which I don't know really anything about jazz and blues. So that was going to be hard, but I was going to try. And then I looked on Toonfine and there are 23 songs in the, the, the premiere and a lot this week as well. It's just, you know, like I said earlier that um, Bob's Burgers is a comedic embarrassment of riches. This is a musical embarrassment of riches every mm -hmm. single song on the show on this episode was fantastic and pretty much all of them said something about the characters too so i i am in the bag for treme yeah and there's little things too that most people wouldn't pick up on that i i noticed this week like for instance whenever you i mean obviously the show is heavy on jazz and blues which is all, and most of which is is uh, live but i noticed little things like whenever you're in jeanette's restaurant where she works they're always playing like late 90s early 2000s indie rock and it's mm -hmm. like it's like clearly they have a playlist or like a satellite radio feed or something and it, they're always consistent with it and I, I i i always i appreciate little details like that there are still plot lines that aren't doing much for me particularly the the housing situation and sort mm -hmm. of getting that ferreted out feels to me again like a little bit like a david simon op-ed that i just happen to be watching on television and um and also that with the Jeanette plot line, like you know, obviously Kim Dickens is great, but I feel like we're just I'm waiting for okay, come on, get to New Orleans already, would you? Like mm -hmm. we, we know that's what's going to happen, just to make it happen. And um, but uh, although one thing I will say is I, I I feel like there is a predictable path for the Davis and Annie situation to go, and I mm -hmm. don't feel like they're going there. I feel like we got the first hints this week. I love their conversation about oh, Uzi could be good. <laughs> um, like I, I, I love the way they handled the situation with the manager. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they go a, a more interesting route with that than just Annie becomes successful and moves away and Davis is sad. Yeah. Um, well, and, uh, 
looking at the storylines this week, it's sad when you're identifying with Antoine. Maybe you need to reevaluate your life. But I totally was this week. I loved seeing I loved seeing him in this environment as a teacher and watching him interact with these kids. And I, I have had that experience where um, where you know, with both positive and negative. This week we get the positive from Antoine, where you, you're kind of sitting someone down who somebody says something, a student or somebody that that you know. Um, you go, oh well, then maybe you should check out this this piece of music or this kind of a thing. You're trying to show show them and share that with them that that history, that legacy of this shared musical bond that you have. That you know, trying to see if they can understand what that means to you and what it could mean to them as i so i'm really loving that storyline and then also we get that with his kids where you try you try and the other person just really doesn't care at all so i i know I've, I've been really enjoying um his that character's growth he's come such a significant way since the beginning of the show yeah for sure without losing that bit of his character that mean that that, that means he will never put pay you know an appropriate fare for a taxi yeah but yeah no i love it um, let's move on though. Homeland, which you are reviewing for us. Yes. I was really glad to, I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not being flippant. I was really glad to not get any comments in my review this week. Cause I really <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. Um, so yeah, Homeland season two, the best show on TV, according to the Emmys. I'm I, again, not being flippant. I think it's a great show, not nearly the best show on TV, but still really great. I thought this was a pretty solid premiere for the most part. I think even though there's a lot going on in terms of sort of the spy stuff, I think the stuff that I found most encouraging was actually the stuff on the home front. I I, I thought it was uh, a good choice to have him outed within the household as a Muslim and sort of, I thought Marina Baccarin played that scene really, really well. Yeah, she's and great. Just, she didn't, she didn't underplay how sort of revulsed she was, not just by the lying, but just she really is not comfortable with the whole Muslim issue. Which mm-hmm. she shouldn't be in that in that position, and I thought that was a a, a good brave uh, acting choice and writing choice. Um, and let's see. Uh, I mean, obviously the 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 major takeaway moment is the last moment of this episode, where you know uh, Claire Danes finally gets back in the back in the back in the field, back in action, and just cannot contain how much she loves doing this job. Mm-hmm. So so much so that it it feels a bit insane, and it is. And that's that's a, a wonderfully destabilizing character moment. Uh, the the my apprehension about the season is similar to my apprehension at the beginning of the first season, where I don't know how far they can push Brody and his political ambitions and him him sort of his sort of twisting loyalty somewhat. It seems like they they're going to have to strike a really clever balance with that to not be to not grow tiresome. So I'm 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 even more worried about this season than I was with first season, but I'm I'm hoping they can pull it out. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm having trouble with Brody's storyline and him, you know, so swiftly after becoming a member of Congress, being on the shortlist for VP and the presumptive nominee. It would seem that I don't buy it at all. Um, so they, they clearly haven't done the legwork they need to do to get me to buy into that, or you know, um, other. It feels very much like the story needs him to be in this situation so that so he is uh i i do i do like dana the the daughter uh just not being able to stand the the stupid people that she isn't you know let's just nuke all of the muslim world because they're different I mean, yeah bruh i loved her in that moment she's like yeah. you're an idiot <laughs> oh my god yeah so, so i i i like dana i look forward to more from her i, I absolutely agree marina backer was fabulous hopefully she'll get more to do this season i know last year she was 
a lot of the time she was relegated to the wife. So hopefully we'll see more development and more chance for her to, you know, actually act and do some stuff. Um, I felt like that was a capital A act the way I said that, but I just mean have more to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think Claire Danes was great in this. I look forward to the first scene of Claire Danes and uh, Mandy Patinkin, you know, actually sitting next to each other, sitting down, have, you know, having yeah. a conversation. Um, but yeah, I think it's off to a solid start and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I, th- I think the first time Saul and Carrie sit down again, we need to have a high five and a Caruso yeah in the background and just electric guitars just blazing yeah, but... in the background, just <laughs> fireworks and explosions because yeah, they rule. Yeah, pretty much. Um, next, we have The Voice, which finished up the uh, the blind audition rounds. And next week, we're going to get to the battle rounds. So that should be uh, that should be interesting. I look forward to the the little change in the rules they have this year about the battle rounds, where they can st- the other judges can steal people. Um, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think they have a lot of good singers. There's some that got way more praise than they deserve, and others that should have you know earned a turnaround who didn't but i think sometimes that's really hard to to capture uh the 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 feeling in the room is often so different than what what comes through a recording so uh we'll see what happens in in the next round but i'm glad the blind auditions are over and we seem to be moving forward um i guess i don't even know what team i think has the best shot yet we'll have to see where they stand after the the first round of battles but um yeah I'm still enjoying it. I'm still watching it after. I love that my bears uh, beat the the cowboys. There's some family rivalries there, so uh, I was very glad to you know to, to see the bears win. But when there's a Monday night bears game, it makes life difficult. It was it was a long night, but I still watched the voice. So clearly, I'm enjoying it. Um, let's move on though to alphas and uh, life after death. Gary uh, has to watch a baby. Gary has to watch a baby, which was easily the highlight of this episode otherwise it kind of felt a little bit like marking time to me where you know we're just waiting to see how rosen's going to react and obviously he's basically emotionally catatonic for most of the episode which makes sense but isn't dramatically all that interesting uh i did like that we finally uh sort of it seems like a weird plot point to shake up on but rachel having sex uh i i I like i mean it was sweet and nicely handled and it i think it made clear just how hard it is for her to be intimate and that all made sense. Other than that, it kind of a minor episode where, like, it, one of those situations where, okay, I really want to see the episode that next week is previewing, like, now. But I this one, I'm sort of already, is sort of already mentally flying the coop for me. Yeah, I think it was good, though, that they did take a little breather. I think, um, I think obviously, the whole peaks and valleys thing, you need to have valleys in order to get back to peaks. And obviously, last week was a peak. Um, d- dramatically and and uh, for for some of us watching uh, I know you weren't as big a fan as maybe I was but uh, but for a lot of us it was a, one of the better episodes of the season um, but uh, yeah I I, th- I think they needed to to show to take the time to show Rosen starting to process to show Hicks to show you know how the entire team is affected and to start setting up where they're going to be going for the end of the season because because I think that's the kind of show that Alphas is Alphas is the show that shows you the moments in between. And so I'm glad that they, that they did this week. And I, I do have to say, I always praise Alphas for its portrayal of, um, of Gary and of autistic characters. Ryan Cartwright, of course, is the actor. He does such a great job. Obviously autism is a spectrum, spectrum disorder, but in my experience with autistic people, that 
was completely inaccurate and not true to what uh, how autistic people deal with babies at all um who knows maybe i just have a, a limited range of experiences um but uh that felt incredibly inauthentic to me well and this this particular baby was messing with his chemistry to be fair yeah but but even just that the you know at the beginning when he takes the baby you know uh, so it's one of those things where they decided to chuck out you know the realities of autism as at least as i am aware of them in in favor of uh, of a fun storyline and yes it was a lot of fun and and Ryan Carver was very entertaining but that's when you start getting into the cute autism spectrum mm -hmm. and and yeah. that that's what so many shows do that that is so uh frustrating and at times offensive to me mm -hmm. um and so i just hope this is a one off and that they don't do more storylines mm -hmm. like this but we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens i will say that was one adorable ass baby though very cute baby and we'll see what happens with bill now a father for at least for a little bit um yes. let's move on though to our final show of our week in tv which is revolution and no quarter more sword fights more explosions what did you think is it just me or is the show getting lostier with time and i'm not just saying that because of the presence of mark pellegrino but just the way that the flashback structure of this episode where mm -hmm. it's very clearly there to illustrate a certain point about a character we just met and then that's going to roll into a sort of semi-cliffhanger for the next week. Felt extremely, like, totally straight out of the Lost playbook, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, except I, I think, like I said last week, Revolution still has this problem where I'm not excited about any particular element of where it's going, except that I want to see spend more time with these actors and characters, mm -hmm. which is great. That's a really important thing. And, and I, I think especially uh, Zach Orth does some really nice work this week. Um, I loved his line about, this reminds me of when I was happy and had lots of money. <laughs> uh, that was actually one of my favorite line readings of the week, so good for him. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it's sort of, it it's the mythology aspect that's still lacking for me and that needs serious work. Yeah, I think that uh, Zach Orth does have the the best moments this week. I think he just does a great job, um, really, because we haven't seen people... I mean, it makes sense. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen this, but we haven't seen people reminisce or sort of complain about how their life sucks now. And it didn't before, <laughs> you know, we've got, yeah. gotten very brief moments, but we haven't really seen what, like something like we see this week. And I think it makes sense because they're 15 years on and they, you can't just spend your life doing that because that you need to adapt and move on. That's what we do as human beings. Um, but I did like that you know, what we get here in that scene. And I like that they showed us Maggie's kids and we got that moment. Um, I think they're doing a good job of, and I, you know, of establishing why Zach Orth is there besides just, we want to have a funny Hurley character. Yeah. And so I think that, th I think that's good. And I think, um, I think that works. I, I, as for Nora, I'm less, you know, I'm less convinced, but I like that her motivation is not miles based i think that's good um and I, I think i continue to like charlie she's my i am growing charlie's growing on me i think yep. as as we uh continue um i like <laughs> i actually like the brother whose name i haven't bothered to learn yet uh ben something like that well you got to see him get the <laughs> shit kicked out of him this week which was pretty fun yeah it was fun watching him you know choke that guy was 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 fun so you know there's He's starting to grow on me, but... Uh, I, I still find him a little bit grating, to be honest. Yeah, he's the... the and we haven't seen, by the way, we haven't seen... Uh, What's-his-face? The random love interest guy. 
Yeah, yeah, he was gone this week, which was great. Which was fabulous. Let's do more of that. More of not him, uh, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, I think it continues to to be promising. I, and I think the, the they did the best they've done so far, de-aging uh, Billy Burke in his flashbacks. Pretty much everybody else just looks exactly the same in their flashbacks as they do 15 years later. So that was kind of nice. And I mean, adding adding um, Mark Pellegrino to your recurring cast list can only be a good thing. Yeah, he's good. I would have liked more Giancarlo Esposito, but uh, Mark Pellegrino is always fabulous. And uh, hopefully this will be another character that I will remember him as for, you know, locked in my brain, much like Lucifer on Supernatural and, of course, Jacob on Lost. So we'll see where they go. But I'm still liking it. Yeah, I agree. It's not blowing me away, but it's it's. I, it's pleasantly diverting, and I don't mean I don't mean that to sound like damning with faint praise. It's solid, yeah, and that's more than we can say about most of the new shows. Almost all of them, actually. Yes. So now that wraps up our weekend TV, we're going to take a quick break and come back, listen to a little music, and guys, this music is awesome. <laughs> and then we're going to come back and talk the good wife, and then explain why we just did that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Muck of Lucka by Tally Hall, which was used oh so memorably as the music this week for the Good Wife season premiere, I Fought the Law. Uh, <laughs> so, best comedic, single comedic moment of the week? What do you think? Pretty damn close. It was rivaled by a couple others in this episode. And what's really great about this particular premiere, which by the way, if you don't watch The Good Wife, this is as good a place as any to jump in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think... I mean, the cold open alone with Kalinda waiting to see who's coming through a door and then just kicking ass, which <laughs> that that was like that was next level badassery even for Kalinda. That just ruled. And for me personally, I think my favorite development of this uh, episode and potentially this season is I'm looking forward to Kalinda having someone who's at her level. Like I, I remember, I, th I think it was in season two where it was her versus Scott Porter, which was just a joke. Like, mm -hmm. And to me, uh, Mark Warren, who I don't remember seeing before, is just a way, is is a much more formidable foe. And I'm I'm very much intrigued to see where that's going to go. And I haven't been this intrigued by a Kalinda plot in a long time, so that's great. Um, but yeah, there were really no, there were a lot of developments this week and none of them were annoying or something that I didn't want to see more of, really. So... Yeah, that's really quite an, an accomplishment considering how many how many plates are now spinning on this show. Well, you mentioned that opening scene with Kalinda, and uh, as soon as you know he goes for the gun and she goes for the sledgehammer and she wins, <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I loved it because of course you never see that you just see two people scramble for the gun and uh, Kalinda doesn't need a gun. She went to the hardware store in the finale and uh, chose wisely apparently. Yeah, so I. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. It's nice to see Kalinda get m uh, more uh, meaty material to work with. 
uh, Archie Punjabi, of course, is the the actress. Um, though I I do say gotta say I'm not. The I like the idea of where they're going with her. You know, having this this you know person to face off against this season. But I don't necessarily like what I'm seeing so far with it. I don't like that. I feel like the the character is somewhat undermined by the fact, uh, by her relationship with her ex husband. I knew this was coming. Well, because because she, you know, I don't. How do you not undermine your character when you have her say this isn't going to happen? You know, implying any sort of romantic rekindlement, or rekindling of the relationship, uh, and then thirty seconds later they've just had sex so yeah like they used to be married man that shit's complicated yeah i understand that the the things are complicated but when you have a character like kalinda so immediately um again i guess go back to undermined uh in her actions that clearly we can't believe what she says or that she doesn't have any sort of power in that relationship um then that that has me a little worried i would expect that to come you know a little further down the line so i don't know we'll see but I obviously I trust the 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 kings. I trust the people over at the Good Wife to to do this well. I just, I'm just a little I'm a little hesitant about that. But otherwise, everything else in this premiere I, I loved. I thought Officer Rob was a lot of fun. Uh, Matthew Del Negro is the actor, um, and and that whole storyline. I like that we're seeing such growth from from Zach. You know, I mean, he's got such a smart and wily mom and dad. I think mm-hmm. it's it's nice to see him. You know kind of do honor to the the family name in, in a certain way but i have to say my the next best laugh if not the best laugh of the episode is zach spends the entire episode going after this high-minded victory where he, he proves that the that the cop was was crooked and blah 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 and then the second after he scores that victory and rob apologizes he takes a second and then looks up some porn because <laughs> he's a, still a teenage boy basically and we're and we can't forget that yeah, that was that was hilarious. I also <laughs> enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, the just like I'm trying to think. I think I still would have really liked this episode without this song that we just heard. <laughs> but the choice of that, I mean, I said in my Fringe review that Fringe is one of the the shows that has the best soundtrack and use of soundtrack in network television. And the only other show for me right now that's vying for that title is The Good Wife. Because as amazing as that final mo- seek moment was in Fringe with that, that what was it? It was Yes? Yazoo. Yazoo song. Uh, as amazing as that was, this one wins because it's so hilarious. Yeah, well, especially just the, the, the replay. Like, at the first time, it, it's, it comes right after the cold open with Kalinda, which is just even more shocking, but in a, in a hilarious way. But then having it replayed in the courtroom was just, it was too, it was, then you understand why they did it in the first place. And it was, mm-hmm. it was quite nice. Uh, with th- this week, we had Nathan Lane and Kristen Chenoweth at Kristen Chenoweth, uh, join the cast and neither of them cracked any jokes, which was interesting. And they're both playing it very straight, which is, uh, which is something that we, I especially don't see Nathan Lane do really ever. So that, that was nice to see with the good wife. Sometimes with the guest cast, there's this feeling of, you could have gotten anyone for this and you got this person for some reason. And, you know, if it's their style, you have to get used to it. But yeah, it, uh, I thought both were interesting casting choices. I like every scene we got this week with uh, Chris Noth and Juliana Margulies. I thought mm-hmm. they're, as per usual, they were dead on. I mean, let's not forget that she won Best Actress a couple years in a row for this and there's a reason. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we have the appropriate amount of Eli in this episode. 
Yes, I not think overdone. We got a little too much of him last for much of last season, uh, as much as I enjoy Alan Cumming. And I think this, you know, was the right dose. Yeah, yeah. He's and he, yeah, it was the he's a a little Eli goes a long way, we'll we'll just say. Mm-hmm. And um let's see what else was good. Um all the all the scenes David with, Lee. Uh, <laughs> uh David Lee, yeah. Um Zach Grenier rules in the show so hard. And uh, I, I love the scene between him and Nathan Lane where oh, he just fabulous. sort of reali- where he realizes exactly what's going on and what his position in all this is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really every I mean, probably the stuff with the partners was the least interesting, but it was still solid. Mm-hmm. And I like that that we I like that they fast forwarded to a point where they could have uh, Will be back in the courtroom. Um, but I like that they did spend the moment on on what was such a significant you know, time for the, for that character coming to a close. Uh, so, so I think I thought that was good too. That was smart. And, uh, and, and it was a significant moment for, for that character. And then also that they chose to show, you know, that, that moment at the end where Alicia went up to, to, to celebrate with him. Um, but you know, he was already with Diane. I think that shows a little bit maybe of where they're going to go this season, the direction that they're headed. And I think that's, that's also a wise choice. Yep. So, so I feel like whenever we talk about The Good Wife, I end up talking about how it's a smart show. And uh, that's one of the, I think that is one of the things that I really appreciate about it. I, I mean, I think it's funny and it's interesting. Of course, here we have, like they always seem to do in their strongest episodes of The Good Wife, we have uh, a legal quirk that a lot of people might not know about. In this case, the recording of, of police officers, um, the, you know, the audio recording being illegal. Not to mention the 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 drug. Yeah, but not the video recording, exactly. Because I was sitting there watching, how can that still be on the books after Rodney King? I mean, how can that, you know? Right. So it was nice that that we, you know, got a little information there. We learned a bit about the situation. Um, But uh, it's nice to watch a show that feels smart, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of feel like when I'm watching The Good Wife, I'll go, oh, yep, that was smart. They could have gone left, but they went right. Well, yeah, there's this feeling also with The Good Wife that you just know that the Kings and their writing staff have spent the off-season just poring over law books and newspapers and mm-hmm. dailies and weeklies, just looking for any kind of interesting bit of detritus they can use to fold into a case. And th- there's evidence in, in this episode that they're going, they're go- just going to keep doing that, possibly even more. And that's good news. The, the only thing that I felt deprived of this year was we got very little with Carrie, but I'm sure mm-hmm. we're going to get more later. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get more there. Uh, I continue to be cautiously ap- apprehensive of the way the show seems to see Kalinda and Carrie as like a forever couple or a season finale couple. Um, there's a couple little moments of performance that we get that imply that again this week, but uh, I'm hoping that I'm just reading into stuff. Um, I will say I like that they uh, have Matthew Perry in this very briefly, you know, just uh a campaign ad we see from him I, but i like that they continue that they have a sort of way around the fact that he's on go on now um so we'll we'll see uh what the rest of the season brings but the good wife is great and we're glad to have it back yeah and watch it people under 45 yeah absolutely and over 45 well but, yes uh, but um, th- those yeah. are the numbers people <clears throat> care about <laughs> So let's hit a few show notes here before we go into our season spotlight with Josh Spiegel of Masterpiece uh, Cinema talking about Louis season three. 
First of all, our intro and outro music is, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it's uh, Sweet Petite by the Bicycles, who are fabulous. Uh, we are up streaming at soundonsite.org. You can leave a comment there. We'll have a post up for the for the episode. So we'd love to hear what you guys thought about all of these premieres. What shows have you checked out? Which shows are you sticking with? And uh, <laughs> and go ahead and send me your hate about not liking Doctor Who more. We are up in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed as well as an MP3 unchaptered feed. We, Like I said before, we would love some ratings or reviews from you guys if you like the show even if you don't let us know what you're thinking we'd appreciate that if, if you can take the time i know we have some new listeners it's been great hearing from you drop us a line we're also on twitter i am at the televerse you are at sucker howl and of course you can always email us the televerse at gmail.com i will pimp our amazing race pool one more time this week i will be talking about it relatively constantly over the course of this season, but um, you can email me or Twitter, uh, tweet me or or leave me a comment on the website, and uh, I will do my uh, I, I will get you in on the Amazing Race Pool. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to hopefully we get get a, a larger uh, uh, listener involvement in that this year. All right. What should our uh, What should our question be? I'd like to know if people think we're mean and horrible for dismissing elementary. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Because everyone else seems to like it. Yeah. Let us know, uh, you know, if we're terrible or what we're missing, what, you know, and, uh, or if you, you agree with us, then let us know too. Cause it would be nice to hear that we're not alone in that. So yeah, that'll be our question. So we're going to take a quick break, listen to a little music and come back with our spotlight on Louis season three with Josh Spiegel from Masterpiece Cinema. <laughs> That's actually for me. Will you read it to me? Sure, come over here. The story about penguin. This penguin. What a cute duck. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful young duck named Ping. Ping lived with his mother and his father and his two sisters and three brothers and 11 aunts and seven uncles and 42 cousins. Their home was a boat with two wise eyes on the Yangtze River. That's in China. Each morning as the sun rose from the east, Ping and his mother and his father and his sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and his 42 cousins all marched one by one down the little bridge to the shore of the Yangtze River. It looks like it's so nice to live on that river. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calls It Joined As Ever by Simon Howell. And this week we are eschewing the DVD shelf to do a season spotlight on Louis season three. It's one of our favorite shows here uh, at the Televerse. Um, but we, we figured we should bring in another voice so we don't just keep saying the same thing we've been saying in the spotlight for the past several weeks. So he, here to help us uh, break down Louis season three is Josh Spiegel from Masterpiece Cinema. Josh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. So Louis season three, I, I threw it out to the Twitterverse, uh, who's, who's a Louis watcher, and... I got a shocking dearth of response, but fortunately you are a Louis watcher. What have you thought about this season? What did you think about this finale? And, and what, what, how, what do you see Louis's journey 
for this year or as both a, a character but also as a creator um being oh uh, wow well, that's let's see that's a hundred different questions it feels like in one well i think uh the finale i think was excellent I want to start out there because as I was looking over the list of episodes from this season, uh, I think that when you look at the whole season, I'm not sure that it stands up to season two, which I think was, I think most people would agree, was an excellent season and a big step up from season one. I think that season three was maybe a little less as a whole, but there were a lot of great episodes the second episode with Melissa Leo, the two-parter with Parker Posey. I liked the Miami episode a lot. And I also liked the Robin Williams episode, Barney slash Never. And then, of course, the three-part Late Show, uh, tri- the, the Late Show trilogy. And then this New Year's Eve episode. There were a lot of great episodes. And yet, ironically, considering that this was a far more continuity-heavy season, kind of continuity-heavy season compared mm-hmm. to the first two, I think it didn't have the same complete emotional power that maybe season two did. And there were a lot of moving moments throughout the season, especially in the finale. But I think as a whole, it maybe wasn't as successful, but that's, that that's like saying this episode of the wire isn't as good as the other episodes of the wire, which is still <laughs> saying it's better than 95% of the shows on TV. It's so still the wire, or in this case, it's yes. still Louie. Exactly. Simon, what did you think? Uh, in regards to the finale, I, it, it's funny, I've been following the Slate uh, TV Club thing. They they have a few different reviewers looking at each episode of, of Louie every week. And I think the responses to the finale were a lot like the responses to the season as a whole that I've read. You had two writers who felt like the finale was kind of a meh or had serious misgivings about it. And then you had a third writer who said... This episode proves that season three was better than the master. <laughs> Don't ask me how they got there. I think it was some attempt to be zeitgeisty. Personally, I love the finale. Uh, I, I kind of weirdly felt like it was maybe Louis' sort of uh, almost snickery attempt to cram every finale possibility into one episode. Like, I can imagine the promos saying, like, it's a New Year's episode and a Christmas episode and somebody dies and he goes to China. Like I I love the idea and Amy of, Poehler and Amy Poehler right yeah, yeah. so I, I and you know Parker Posey and I, I I like the idea of him just like going full out even though it was he went full out in a very Louis sort of way and I found it like Josh said moving and endearing and I I love the way it called back to stuff from not just this season but even the previous season in a way that I think longtime viewers should appreciate or should have appreciated. Uh, of course, there aren't that many of those around, seeing as how I believe a quarter million people now watch Louis live, which seems ludicrous. But um, as for the season as a whole, I have to echo what Josh said, but also note that even though I feel like in terms of writing, it's maybe a slight step down from season two, I have to note that in terms of cinematography, editing, music, and you know, sort of technical aspects, it feels like a big step up. So on balance, I would almost, I would just put season three, just a tiny little hair under season two, but really not by much. Yeah, it's been it's just such a reliable show to have on you know, every week. And so we're definitely going to miss it when, it, when it's gone. A, a quick note about the, the rating, um, the, the finale, 0.43 million people watched, which is a full million fewer than the season premiere. So, wow. 
Although to be fair, the season didn't the season premiere also go in tandem with anger management? Yeah, it's true, oh, but yeah. Yeah. It, it sort of went down to a million the second week, and then has just kind of withered away every week since then, losing you know a few tenths at a time. Uh, you know, but those kind- are the live ratings, right? Those are the people who literally watch it as it airs down Thursday nights, right? This yeah. is U.S. viewers in in millions. So that that's usually plus DVR, I think, but I, I'm not I, sure. And I, I thought it was literally just the the overnight ratings because I watched the finale live, but I think I might have watched like two episodes live this season. So I, you know, I I use my DVR as much as I'm sure both of you do. So uh, yeah. watching live is not always an option for me. So I, I think I, I know the show is cheap enough that FX probably doesn't care if it gets four four hundred thirty thousand live viewers or something. <laughs> crazy like that but yeah it's... yeah that's true but even when you compare it to other shows on at the same time again because i mean when you compare it to other shows ratings the, the ratings are all of people watching live so they're they're sure. all the same and so when you compare it to other shows that unfortunately doesn't necessarily help but that's too much talk about ratings let's talk about the show um i am that person who goes eh about the finale so uh, i expect befuddlement from the two of you as to why i wasn't a bigger fan of this finale um, but on on a whole, I would say that it's been I think I think it's been a stronger season than a lot of people are necessarily giving it credit for. Because I, I, I also very much enjoyed the Daddy's Girlfriend two parter. I think the whole start of the season is really strong. The first weak point for me was probably when uh, we got to uh, part of Barney and Never didn't quite work for me, and then I wasn't a big fan of IKEA piano lesson. I think that was. You know, one of the uh, the least strong, I guess, episodes of the season. So there's just sort of a few in the middle there looking for Liz. Lily Change is also not quite so hot. But I think the heights of the season have been really, really high with The Late Show, Daddy's Girlfriend, with, uh, with some of the, you know, beginning of the season as well. So while maybe it's more in and out for me than last season is, I, I had to rewatch season two to see whether I think that the heights of season two are are on out of par with the heights of season three, but for right now I would say season two is more consistent, but season three uh has has higher highs and maybe lower lows. Well I also I have this strange relationship with Louis where I feel like it's it's me hanging out with with, you know, a a character and a a world, I think we can even say at this point that I really, that I feel like I have a, a personal connection with, which is something, it's 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 a strange thing to, to admit, I suppose, but I feel like I, I have this, my, when I sit down to watch Louie, it's not the same as sitting down to watch other stuff, and I think you can chalk that up to it being more than anything else on TV, other than, I mean, I guess Curb Your Enthusiasm, you can kind of make that case since Larry David writes and I assume directs every episode, but even that's that's not quite as as personal and out there. I mean, not nearly as personal and out there as as Louis is. So I I feel like every week I'm watching someone walk a tightrope, and and you know and and sometimes they fall. I agree. IKEA piano lesson in particular really kind of fell flat for the most part. But just nobody's taking chances. I mean, if you, it, I mean not not on this level. Even just the way the form of the show mutated over the course of the season, where. It started off very much like season two. We had stand-up bits, and the intro remained intact. And by the end, we had the the, the intro was gone, and at least the last two, if not three episodes, didn't feature any stand-up at all. 
Now, I, I'm curious. I would like to hear what you guys love so much about this finale. Because I, it's not that it's bad or anything, but I just, I don't, I felt like it just sort of happened. And there were some nice moments here and there in, in it. And I think there's introspective, interesting things that that we get about Louie. But I don't know. I, I'm, I don't understand where the passion that I'm seeing for this episode comes from. Personally, I kind of felt like it was it was sort of 24 minutes of Louis' greatest hits in the best possible way. Wait, but nothing was particularly funny? Was that just me? Well, <laughs> I didn't I, laugh. That, okay, that's not true. First of all, just the names of the newscasters alone yeah. would yes. have been enough humor for me for the entire episode. Those were fantastic. Flappy um, Hauserton? Come on. <laughs> I yeah. got a chuckle, but I didn't... Like, I'm used to something, belly something laughing. About... I'm used to, like, falling off my chair watching I don't Louis. know the... Did you not the... laugh during the doll sequence? Yeah, seriously. I kind of chuckled. Ah, it was more of uh, a, I recognize that's what happens to a lot of people preparing for Christmas. And I also laughed a lot at the projecting his daughter's future sequence, just for the sheer vagueness of the way they were talking to each other. <laughs> that, that dialogue made me laugh, too. I think also it's worth pointing out, I, I, I think there are a lot of funny moments in the episode, but it. I, I feel like this show has moved so far beyond being a basic comedy in a lot of ways. Like, the reasons, I think, why I found the episodes so powerful are not because of the humor. I think there was really funny humor in it, but the choice that Louis makes to go to this completely unfamiliar land based solely on a drawing from his daughter. Was it the was it the drawing or was it that she just... It was the book, uh, the book that he bought that, uh, that he... That... He actually said, this one's for me. Just Santa wasn't getting credit for this one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and also served as a lovely callback to Duckling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the drawing of the Yangtze River, that's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that choice and his willingness to do this thing that's completely ridiculous and outrageous and insane because he not only does he not know a word of Chinese, but apparently nobody in China has heard of the Yangtze River, which felt like this surreal, like, very David Lynchy thing where it's like, why do you not know what the Yangtze River is? Who hasn't heard? Like, I feel like I've heard of that. I, I think it was more, I, I think it was a pronunciation issue because he was saying it in such a over-the-top Western way that they just weren't getting it. Yeah, but that still is, doesn't make any, any of those people he would have talked to should have known Yangtze well, River. Well, and also, <laughs> apparently, he was in Beijing, which apparently is nowhere near the Yangtze River. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't help, I suppose. And I, I do think there's um, I, I liked that they had Liz in this episode, and that it tied back in with with that episode. And but also, I don't think he goes to China if he hasn't just had that experience with Liz. Yeah, and, and the experience of the Late Show, I think too. Yes, but was anybody else frustrated that all of the the progress we saw, at least implied by the by his continuing boxing? at the end of the late show uh, finale was undone here. He's right back to that's true. Like, the sad yeah, fact that he was. That's not at all true. I think he's falling that asleep it, with hostess on his, on his oh, yes, stomach. He, he did. He did start off in a food coma, but which was, which was another great callback. But I think if he hadn't, uh, you can make a case that if he hadn't had that experience that he had, you asked before what his journey over the season was. I think to me, it was learning to deal with, the sort of shock and awe that life, you know, gives you. First, he, you know, makes a decision to to leave his house and go somewhere. And then, of course, when he does, Liz dies, which was quite horrific. And I think 
if the Louis of even just a few weeks ago would have just gone back into a food coma. But this one decides, no, I, you know, I, I can't let this, you know, rule my New Year's. I've got to do something, anything. And in this case, something, anything is going to Beijing because why the hell not? Yeah, I, I think it's about kind of telling, like it's about shaking him out of his complacency. I feel like I forget who said this. It might have been you guys. It might have been another Alan Seppenwall's review or something. But the idea is that the the beginning of the season is about him, like life happening to him, whereas like him being very passive, not making any choices, not actually trying to have some agency in his life. And then as we get further along in the season, he chooses to do the late show thing. Obviously, it ends up we we knew. I think we all knew he wasn't going to get it one way or the other. But he actually chooses to put himself on the line. And I think in terms of not 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 kind of invalidating the boxing and kind of actually taking control of his life. I think it's almost just a mix of uh, seasonal <laughs> seasonal depression. You know, at the end, that's kind of how I I read it as something just a mix of the last however many months of his life plus just the idea that he's going to have to be without his kids for the holidays. And we know how well outside of Christmas, but we know how much he cares about mm-hmm. his kids and how serious that relationship is to him. So. Yeah, I guess I just felt like we already got all of that progress, all that growth from him just by the inclusion of that boxing sequence. So everything that you guys are saying that of what this finale showed us about Louis and his journey over the course of the season, I thought that was all summed up in the fact that he continued doing boxing and that he was out of his complacency. He was taking control of his life and he was, you know, giving himself agency and not just sitting back. So, so I felt like at the start of this episode, that was undone. And then rediscovered. But I mean, that's a daily battle, isn't it? In terms of how TV characters develop generally, yes, they have a problem, they surmount it, and then they're irrevocably changed, but that's not how people are. Yeah, but he spent the entire season, much of the season that is, in this in this funk, and then if there's supposed to be any... I mean, I, I guess, especially for a finale or something like that, if, if we're supposed to have this you see your, this character get out of the funk and then it's immediately undone, then why does the ending have any meaning if he's... Because if, we could just start the next season and he'll be exactly where he was. Hey, every victory counts for something, man. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know. I just think, I think it's interesting that we, you know, that... Because I want to have that sort of love of this episode that I see other people having. And because it's been... I mean, I love the, the Late Show. I love some of these other ones, but it's been a while since I was like falling off my seat laughing or just, you know, being so utterly immersed um, in, in, in Louie. I mean, the, the outside of just the, the other, because I guess because the Late Show feels so different from much of the rest of this series. So I kind of feel like that's a separate thing. I don't know. Do you guys, are, are you guys as interested as I am in, uh, in the notion of Louie doing a movie for, but, but a Louie movie? <laughs> as Mo Ryan suggested. Oh, did you? Um, that's, Yeah. Yeah, she that she argued that's that one in smart her, cookie right there. Yeah, it, there you go. I see how that works. Um, I mean, he has talked about doing a movie. I I wouldn't. The thing is, I just want him to. I want him to clone himself and just do more stuff, which is which is ludicrous because he already does so very much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I it feels greedy to ask for anything else. It, but but I am very very curious to see what form next season takes. If it's just going to be. I don't know, like maybe a, a series of three or four longer arcs broken up into episodes, or is he going to go the whole other way and just do 13 discrete, totally unconnected stories, or 26 unconnected stories? You know, I really I really have no idea, and that to me is the ultimate joy of Louis. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the choice of continuity maybe is kind of what's throwing off 
I mean, that's how I'm reading what you're saying, Kate. It's kind of like the idea that it emphasizes more continuity here. I mean, you know, like he didn't stick to that kind of format in the first two seasons. For the most part, it would just be completely unconnected stories. I mean, we had F. Murray Abraham. He 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 mm-hmm. was in this season, but he also had a different role last season. So, you know, I think it's that the kind of his choice to sometimes emphasize things that are happening, you know, like having the ex-wife be the same person this season, having her reference in the last episode, The Late Show, versus, you know, previous season. I think that might be kind of the the interesting choice that he is kind of slowly, but not completely embracing that, that there is, that there should be some kind of arc at all. I, I I don't know. I like part of me doesn't want the whole three and four episode arc things. Like you mentioned Simon, but then I look at the late show episodes and I think that was pretty great. I don't know why I wouldn't want more of that. (laughs) (laughs) See, I, I feel like Louis, the character has always been in the same continuity. It's just everything else around him. That isn't. And so I've always felt like even the first season, the second season, yes, they were more episodic, but I still feel like we saw a progression of the character over the course of the season. So I don't actually see that much of a difference in that element of the show this season. Um, though it, the, it definitely, I, I've enjoyed the the way that he doesn't care <laughs> if yeah. if you're confused by the, the continuity. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying Louis is Doctor Who? <laughs> no. No, no. no. Uh, that, that'll have to be for, for another t- uh, discussion for another time. But um, yes, I think, uh, and I think uh, Josh is one of the few people out there who had a similar take to what we said earlier about Doctor Who uh, this week. But yeah. to, to, keep, to keep with Louis, um, I, I hope he continues to do that. But I, I don't know. Am I the only one who's hoping we get some of the stand-up back next season? Because I kind of, you know, as much as I love watching... Uh, Louis C.K. experiment and and grow as as an artist. I also really liked the show when it had stand up and was you know more laugh out loud funny. So I don't want him to abandon one in favor of the other, but it would be nice to get some of that other stuff back. I, what do you guys think? I'd be surprised if he abandoned stand up entirely. I mean, he had it in some forms this season, and clearly his stand up career was a major part of the season, even if we didn't see it all the time. I guess I, for me, it's that. Obviously, he's a very, very funny comedian. He's one of the funniest comedians alive. But I don't need every single week to have a laugh-out-loud moment. I do laugh out loud frequently, but it's not like if there is an episode where I laugh really hard that that, to me, is an unsuccessful episode. So I I don't know. I, I, I am willing to watch and see whatever he tries just because he is – most for me, most of his experimentation pays off really well. So – Maybe that's going to end up changing. Maybe the ratio will kind of uh, get to 50-50. But right now, I-, I have been on board with pretty much every single weird decision he's had, even as much as having David Lynch be on two episodes of this show, which is still ridiculous to me. <laughs> that was so great. It was. That takes me to uh, perhaps the, the final question, uh, four final thoughts here. What If ever I had to pick one highlight from this entire season... And you can't say just the late show, all three episodes, but but what's your single highlight of this season? I, I think personally, you already mentioned Lynch. I, I was in the room with you, Kate, when we saw <laughs> David Lynch on screen, and I actually just said out loud, holy shit. Like, that was, I mean, I no no, no disservice to Louis himself, but wow, I, that was just so great to see on my television. Josh, what about you? 
You know, I'm going to go with uh, the sequence, that most of the episode of Miami. I think the sequence where it's just Louis hanging out with that lifeguard Ramon and seeing that culture. I think that was a really fascinating decision. That's To me, that's one of those experiments saying, let's go down this little alleyway and just hang around here for a few minutes. I really liked that. I mean, there, there are other so many other great moments. Guess a runner-up would be the uh, Gary Marshall sequence in the first part of the Late Show episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, where it's just, you know, him blocking the agent, literally sitting in front of the agent and telling Louis, l- laying out his life in front of him. But that bit in Miami, I like that one a lot. Oh, I also have to quickly mention the rooftop sequence at the end of Daddy's Girlfriend, which I found so tremendously moving. Now, my actual pick is that same one as you signed me with. Holy <laughs> crap, David Lynch is on my TV. And it's amazing. That, I think, just the surprise of that and then the way that character was, you know, shaped, even just in those first few minutes. And of course, everything that you guys mentioned has been fantastic. I guess, so if I was going to say something different, I guess I'll go for the, the montage at the end of Daddy's Girlfriend Part 1. Or the, the the just the relationship we see to Louis getting shot down, Louis getting shot down, and then finally succeeding. And just a sense of exhilaration and thrill that we get through that those just kind of brief moments. I really enjoyed that, and it was just such a perfect encapsulation of of that moment. I think pretty much everybody has experienced, you know, both the negative and positive sides of. Uh, so I guess that's what I'll go with. But there's definitely been a lot on the high end this season for us to enjoy despite my nitpicks. So do you guys have any final thoughts? Uh, Last thing I want to say, you mentioned the stand-up earlier. I mean, the only reason there wasn't as much stand-up this season is because he didn't have as much to draw on, period. Like, he just didn't have time to write another full hour of stand-up. That's why there's not as much of it there. I don't don't know that I necessarily... I mean, yes, obviously, I'm sure that was a factor, but I don't think... I can't see The Late Show working with stand-up in it. Um, no, I, no, I can't either, but, but all, well, and I think, I think it was a, a matter of form following availability of standup. I, <laughs> I should have found a simpler way to say that, but you know, and, and that reminds us all that like, look, this is one guy holding so many hats and wearing them all stylishly mm-hmm. and we should just be thankful for whatever the hell we get at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Josh, you know, I, I think it was again, a great season. It was maybe not as awesome as incredible as season two but it it is a a truly standout show i'm glad that fx has given him the complete leeway to do whatever the hell he wants because it gets them prestige doesn't get them ratings but i really admire them for sticking with him absolutely Uh, i guess what i'll mention as my final note is the music i love the music on this show the scoring is is so great and uh almost always completely memorable so uh, they're, they need, he needs to keep doing what he's doing on, on every front, but that's one of the ones that I noticed, you know, that's closer to my heart. And, and actually speaking of that, I, I wanted to say one more thing, Susan Morris, the new editor for the season, mm-hmm. I, they, they made a lot of uh, news about that before the season began because she worked with Woody Allen. She has been another, an excellent addition to the show. I know that he needed to have one less hat to wear kind of going up with Simon said, mm-hmm. but she has done, she really fits in. She is very attuned, I think, to his sensibilities as a director, as a performer. so Yeah, it, you'd think that there would be more of a a, a bump in the road with her coming on, but I, I felt it felt completely seamless, and it still feels, it doesn't feel different than season two. I'm sure, you know, she's brought her own strengths to, to the show and her, her personality, I'm sure, but 
it just meshes so well with with Louis and his sensibility that yeah you I mean if if you just watch season two and then watch season three you would just think that Louis got better as an editor <laughs> yeah it's been a really Definitely. seamless progression so Louis season three obviously we're we're all fans we think you should watch it and uh, if you if you listen to this and you haven't watched it. I'm sure it'll be out on DVD eventually. I know it's available on, uh, like, isn't it up on, like, uh, iTunes, Amazon, these different places. So check yeah. it out. Let us know what you think. It's worth the money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, and we know that a season four is coming. We'll see, you know, how how long they can, both FX and Louie can keep this up. Mostly, I think, yeah. Louie. Gotta resolve those cliffhangers. Oh, yes. Deathly cliffhangers on, on Louie. How does he get back from China? I don't. Does he ever find the Yangtze River? There you go. Will he reunite with Liz? Oh, never mind. Oh. I keep hoping that was a dream. I know that wasn't it, but I kept hoping that was going to be like a (laughs) twisted dream on him, his part. Oh, yeah. Such. Oh, oh, Louie. Oh, Louie, we love you. Um, Josh, thank you again so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you online? Uh, well, I, I, I host Masterpiece Cinema, Sound On Sight. It's a Disney movie podcast. And again, you can go to soundonsight.org, find the show there. You can follow me on Twitter at Masterpiece. And the show has also got a page on Facebook that everybody should like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a fabulous podcast. I always enjoy checking it out. Uh, I, I believe I am behind. The last one was what, Finding Nemo? Uh, the 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 most recent one was actually the Apple Dumpling Gang, which I've already ah. seen reactions online, mostly surrounding what what movie is that? Which you know really inspires confidence. It, it's a movie from the seventies with Don Knotts and Tim Conway, and it's a laugh right if you ask my co-host. And it's <laughs> a movie that I saw if you ask me. So <laughs> good yeah, stuff. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've had that's episode sixty four. We've got some very exciting episodes coming out in October. If all pans out, it's going to be a guest per each week. So I'm really, really excited to see what people think. We've got uh, Frank and Weenie, Hunter One Dalmatians, stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And, and also, I want to make sure. Thank you for having me on the show. I want to make sure I say that before you before we <laughs> end because I don't want to feel like a really impolite guy. So thank you. I love the show. I'm glad to be here. For oh, 20 thank you. <laughs> oh, then let's conclude before this get this love fest gets too sloppy. So thank you everyone uh, for listening. Of course, Josh, thank you for coming on, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Television.